It's Cofield and Company, live on the road. Petrangelo ahead, banks it down the left side. It's into the trapezoid. Down he pulls it loose, can't clear. Petrangelo cut it off. Rattled off the king, it's sent towards the empty net, and in! Arvidsson, empty net goal, 4-2 Kings, 26 seconds to play. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company live on the road. San Jose, Adam Candy back in Las Vegas. What's up, Candy? It's an exciting day in Vegas, bud. I can't believe you ran away from this. You didn't want to be near the Carr Family Circus today? No, right, just uh, just north of where he grew up in San Jose. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. We will get to Derek Carr in every single hour. This isn't completely unexpected, but the way it's being done is definitely a little bit weird. And then we've had this debate since we've been officially connected to the Raiders for three, four years now with the car stands and the car haters. And it will continue, and it's going to continue after Derek Carr is out of Las Vegas, whether he's playing football or not. So that's all stuff we're going to hit on here on a Wednesday. So I'm out in San Jose getting ready for UNLV in its conference opener against the Spartans. Should be interesting in terms of the setting here. It's never really a big crowd. Uh, I talked to Kevin Kruger the other day, Candy, and said, hey, do you have to kind of drill it into the guys who've never been here in San Jose before to – warn them you're gonna have to get your your own engines revved and he he was like nah we don't have to do that these guys you know we have a veteran group but i have seen teams come here and kind of sleepwalk through the first half before and this is a better san jose state team and program than it's been in recent years because they've got tim miles on the sideline so we'll break down the spartans a little later on we'll get into the rebels as well later 6 30 with running rebel warm-up seven o'clock with john sandler and curtis terry they'll have the tip. Let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. We've got uh, VGK on the road. Woo! That's probably a good thing. Has not been great at home for the Knights, but here's a problem right now, Candy. While the record is a lot better than last year, boy, oh boy, the injuries are starting to resemble what unraveled as the season went along a year ago. Do we have Real reasons to worry here as they continue to stack up the injuries on the VGK side? Well, I think it's when we talk about the idea of cluster injuries, right, Cofield? We talk about when you get bombed at one particular position. And right now for the Golden Knights, it's at defense. Uh, We find out from Bruce Cassidy today that Alec Martinez isn't with the team. Shea Theodore already hurt. Zach Whitecloud out for uh, the the dreaded month-to-month. And so that's when you start to worry for the Vegas Golden Knights because there were already issues when it came to scoring and trying to find some punch from this team when it came to being without Jack Eichel and looking down the lineup to those third and fourth lines. And so right now, if you're VGK, the goaltending has leveled off a little bit. It's not bad, but it's gotten to okay again. Your cluster injuries are on D, and your bottom lines aren't scoring. Um, you know, look, they could be in worse spots in the standings, but they certainly are not at tip-top right now. I'm glad you mentioned the goaltending leveling out. You know, they've got a little bit of depth here with uh, Brossois playing pretty well in the minors. And I think the thought like two weeks ago would have been, hey, you know what, why don't you spin him off to someone else and maybe get a little help? 
elsewhere. Can they do that now? You can. I actually think <laughs> Logan Thompson will be fine in the long run, but okay. when you look at the way goaltenders are in the NHL, I see where you're going with this, and the idea of goaltenders in the NHL, what you're looking for is a hot streak. You're not looking for Marc-Andre Fleury because only so many of them exist. What you want is a guy who just gets hot at the right time. BGK had a couple of hot goaltenders at the beginning. They don't have any hot goaltenders right now, and for them, obviously, it's a matter of having one or two of those come April. It's going to be interesting to see what they do to massage the roster because, uh, you know, as we just mentioned, it's it's beat the snot right now. All right, so let's go back to the beginning of the week with the Raiders. So the big news today is Derek Carr will be benched. It's going to be Stiddy, Jared Stidham, for the final two games of the season. But the beginning of the week started with what I think you believed was kind of a, a weird approach by Josh McDaniels when it came to Derek Carr. What did you hear that you – Maybe you didn't like. Well, this is one of those things where Josh McDaniels sort of gave us the hint, maybe to, what, soften the blow, I guess, when he talked about after the Pittsburgh game, yeah, we need to throw the ball better than we have. It needs to be better than it has the past month and a half. And there were those in the local media who were either reading between the lines or encouraged to read between the lines to take that as, well, the option to bench Derek Carr is out there. All right, so we're going to get into the actual decision about this as we go along. But what did Josh McDaniels gain by kind of leaking it out there? Because the way I've seen everybody react to this today on social media, in the actual media, uh, it has not softened the blow at all. People are still freaking about this. Fans of other teams are going crazy at the idea of maybe well, we could have Derek Carr next year. Oh, right, line it up. Sounds good. So I don't exactly know what Josh McDaniels thought he was gaining by putting the hint out there because Derek Carr is, if not the most respected veteran on this team, up near it. And I'm not sure what taking that approach did other than potentially benefit him in the long run by making it look like, well, you know, I have control of this thing. I'm going to be making clear who gets the, uh, the reins of this team. Yeah, it's a big question I want to get to in just a couple minutes. You just said respected veteran what message does it send to the rest of the team to bench your QB who I think has been playing through a back injury how do they react you know other guys are going down as well key defenders going on IR I just wonder what this team has in the tank these last two games what they have in the tank these last two games is next to nothing uh, yeah I don't expect this to be a situation where the Raiders rally around Jarrett Stidham, win one for Josh McDaniels. That ain't it. I mean, you're already looking at a team that was trying to make the best of what it had left, and yeah, they were competitive in a number of games. They were competitive in Pittsburgh. They obviously just didn't get the job done. But when you look at it from the perspective of what do you expect against a San Francisco team that has everything to play for, and a Kansas City team that whether or not it's playing for something, loves beating up on these Raiders... Yeah, I don't expect it to be pretty. 364-1100, First giveaway of the day, caller 7. You're treated to a VIP pack at Crazy Horse 3. They've got their silver and black after party. That goes down after every home game right across from the, the Raiders games, right across the street on Russell from the Al. Fox Sports Radio will be on the scene. Drink specials, giveaways, but uh, you get the VIP treatment. You're in free with a, a table and uh, the VIP treatment with some friends in for free as well. And you also get hooked up with some 
libations. Ari's got your hookup for the after party Sunday. Crazy Horse 3 following our LVR game against the Niners. And what better day to do it, right? New Year's Day. you got to get a second day of uh, partying. And why not do it with the ladies at Crazy Horse 3, 3, 6, 4, 1100. Join Cofield and company on Thursdays for the live 2-5 to five show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77-cent beers. It's Thursday Night Football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. I don't think so. I hate saying that because, like, I think Derek Carr can still be a very good quarterback yeah, somewhere. Too. And I think that you have to look at replacement. And, and I, I do think you have to look at the market and say, okay, then who? But if the Raiders lose their last two games, and I think they will, yeah. they finish 6-11, and 11, I don't know that what you can run it back. They? Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Boy, it's kind of crazy. The country seems shocked by the decision of the Raiders to – bench Derek Carr and I'm having trouble getting super fired up about it maybe Candy's going to do it for me I, I I feel like on the ground here we all saw this coming and that was Jason Fitz on the way back and I think Jason's probably saw it coming he covers the Raiders pretty closely but we'll hash out I mean we're gonna have months to do this we'll hash out all the reaction around the country I mean you're not shocked by this right Candy there was going to come a point where because of a couple of different reasons, they we're going to look at it and go, we don't have a shot at the playoffs. We have to kind of do what the Colts did first by hiring Jeff Saturday, second by starting Nick Foles. We, I mean, they're not doing it deftly. I mean, you see what's happening here. Um, so for you, what's the biggest reason that Carr is not playing these last couple of games? Is it the full-on tank, or is it the money concerns that if he does get injured, then a lot of that contract coming up, because this is a one-year deal, and that's the other thing. People are. I think people are going to be blown away by the fact that the Raiders can walk away from this. And we told everyone locally this is a one-year deal. So is it is this full-on tank, or is it all about the money and making sure they're not locked in in any way to Derek Carr going into the offseason? Well, it's callous, but it's about the money. It's 100% about protecting the trade value of Derek Carr. And I think we saw by the reactions out there today that Derek Carr is going to have trade value. It's the manner in which it was done that I think is shocking people. Because right now, I'm left to say, so if Derek Carr completes that pass to Hunter Renfro on Saturday and the Raiders get into field goal range or maybe even get a touchdown, Derek Carr's not benched this week. His trade value is still in question. We're going to run him out there again next week because we're 7-8 and eight and we have an outside shot at making the playoffs. But now, because the Raiders are all but eliminated, now Derek Carr's... On the bench, what happens if they win that game last week? We all get to keep the illusion for a week that the Raiders are going to make the playoffs, which they were never going to make the playoffs, so go ahead and get rid of that. But what happens then? So he plays, and what happens if he rips up his knee this week? Well, it was in service of what, your 10% playoff chances? It's all about how this was done from the Raiders' perspective, and you're right, Steve. It's about the money. Tanking, what's the point of tanking now? What's the point? To, to try to move from 10th to 8th? Right. Move from 8th to 7th? doesn't matter. If you really want one of the top two or three quarterbacks, you're going to have to move up regardless, so that shouldn't be part of the consideration. Yeah, it's very, very strange. I don't know, man. I don't understand. I don't get it at all. I don't understand exactly how the Raiders can look at this situation 
and say that this was the moment to decide to sell on Derek Carr, that this was the time you had to make clear to everyone it's over. Yeah, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I hear what everybody's saying about the money. And then we compare it to the Matt Ryan situation in Indianapolis. Stop. Stop with that. (laughs) Because in Indianapolis, Matt Ryan wasn't playing at half the level of Derek Carr at any point in the last two years. No one believed that the Indianapolis Colts, at least I didn't. Right. No one believed that the Indianapolis Colts were going to come into this ceiling series with the idea that they were going to win at the level that everybody thought the Raiders were going to win. I know they had expectations. I never believed that for a second with the roster that the Colts have. But to try to sell those ideas now in the same vein as Derek Carr, oh, we have to, we don't have to guarantee his salary for next year. You're one pass away from guaranteeing his salary next year against Pittsburgh. Uh, Vic Tafer tweeting out early this morning said, uh, if the Raiders sit Derek Carr Sunday, well, first of all, it'll be his fourth game he missed in nine seasons. So he's been really durable. And first, uh, not due to injury, the $33 million salary next year, seven and a half in 2024, becomes guaranteed if he gets hurt. You were just uh, addressing that. And he said the front office met the last two nights to decide on a course of action. I don't necessarily believe that the last two nights were key to making this decision. I think they have been talking about this. I think they talked about it when they extended him. I think they knew this was going to be the plan. They didn't know how the season was going to play out, but at a certain point, they were going to look at it and go, all right, we are eliminated, or we have a scant chance of making the playoffs, and we may not want Derek Carr around. I don't think they knew for sure, because they you, know, you have to see how he played. If he went out and they won 11 games and you know, he was a top 10, 11, you know, 12 quarterback in the league, then okay, you're moving forward with Derek Carr. But everything fell into place for them to execute the plan, which I think they had very much in mind when they signed this deal, which was, hey, we're going to give him one year, and if we don't like it, we're going to move on. And then I, I have no idea if everyone is privy to this part, but I do believe that uh, Ziegler and McDaniels must have had the conversation that, hey, we're also going to need to move on uh, to make sure – I don't think they outright said, hey, we keep our jobs, but I think that is part of it right now, right? Let's blame – we can blame the quarterback, and they're never going to come out and say, hey, it's Derek Carr's fault. Uh, But as you hinted, you know, 15 minutes ago, you hinted at 15 minutes ago, you know, McDaniels left the door open and started talking about, hey, the quarterback play needs to be better. So, again, I'm not surprised by any of this. I don't know why anyone is shocked. Um, And I also – I'm ready to have an active debate, and I guess the answer will come in a few months. I don't know if the market for Derek Carr is going to be as rich as a lot of people believe. I think the market for Derek Carr will actually be just fine because of the fact that other teams know what the Raiders believed up until this year, that you can win with him. Does it mean that you're going to immediately become a Super Bowl contender? No. But, Steve, all I have to do to convince you of a trade market is ask you, New York Jets fan, who has had to watch Zach Wilson at various points this year derp it around with a team that is ready to win in other phases. Would you take that roster, stick Derek Carr on it, and feel like you at least had a chance not only to win every week, but to get to the playoffs and at least be a factor? We've addressed this on the show probably five or six weeks ago. I'm not getting on you, but um, my answer for Derek Carr specifically would be no. I don't think he's a New York guy. 
I don't think he's a New York, New Jersey area guy with the media. Um, if just Derek Carr playing and not having to deal with the media, then yeah. But, I mean, I, the, you know, your question's kind of loaded because I, I look at everyone through a different lens, as you should as well, as a Giants fan. Playing in that market I think would be very complicated for him because if he thought, you know, he's had some difficulty with a couple of the writers and, and media people covering the, the, the Las Vegas and Oakland scene, believe me, uh, in New York they would and New Jersey, they, they would sniff out Derek Carr's drama at times, and it would be, if they weren't winning, it would be a miserable experience. Just on his playing ability? Of course, but that's not the only thing you factor in. Well, put him back in the Bay. Put him back. I mean, take San Francisco if you just want to take a team, huh. right? Like, it's okay. Let's get away from the New York media market. You have a reasonable thing there with Carr. Put him on that team. But I, how many times already have I read today, aha, uh-huh, what about the Colts, right? Huh. Oh, what about the Seahawks? Would you rather have him than Geno? And you could do this. Chris Johnson, former 2,000-yard back in Tennessee, Chris Johnson himself tweeted out today and said, we need to get Derek Carr on the Titans next year. Right, right. Teams want him. Well, teams, they want him. And, and what, I, what I think we're going to find out, Steve, about Ziegler and about McDaniels is why exactly did Mark Davis turn the keys over to these two guys? And what are they going to bring in here next year either to get value from Derek Carr or that's better than Derek Carr for the Raiders in 2023? Well, you know the name that's being bounced around oh, now, come on. And, and it's a, and it's it's a it's an upgrade, but it's also a bridge. So it would allow them to draft a quarterback, but also have a guy around who is a I'll say an upgrade for the next two years. Of course, Brady is an upgrade, but Tom Brady would be playing behind an offensive line that is either as bad or worse than the one he's playing behind in Tampa. And we've seen this year that that Tom Brady ain't the answer. The expectations would right. go way up. The level of play would probably stay just about the same. You can't fix the offensive line in an offseason? Well, you can if you pay attention to it, but right. we didn't see the Raiders pay any attention to it last year. And remember, we talked about this, and Raider fans did not want to hear it from me or from Adam Hill or from anyone else. But this team is going to start next offseason with the second most dead cap in all of football. Car aside, having nothing to do with Car, they are already compromised when it comes to trying to build this roster next year. And for everyone out there who has been defending Derek Carr, and I'm actually part of that group that has defended him to a degree, what about the defense? Who's going to spend money on the defense when you're having to spend money on the offensive line when you potentially are having to spend money on a quarterback because Tom Brady ain't playing for free? Well, there are other moves you can make and be super aggressive in the offseason. Doesn't have to be just Carr for Brady. No, no, Cofield. It doesn't. But what's in your crystal ball? Um, I would shed some salary, and I might trade someone who is at max value. You sure that tight end is still at max value? That's not the tight end. You want to try to trade Devontae Adams? I would think about the it. The cap hit on him is the worst of all of them. I would think about it. You're talking about a $30 million dead cap hit on Devontae Adams. That's a true blow it up that, move. Yeah, that is prohibitive. Like, if you want to, and hey, I'm not, I am not opposed to it. The Atlanta Falcons are horrible this year because they decided to eat 40 plus million on Matt Ryan and dead cap because right. they just decided we're blowing the whole thing up. But if but that's, that's not, but, but that's not, if yeah. you, if you're, 
That's a good touche on the on the dead money. That's not a Brady plan to have dead money. No. You need to trade. You need to trade. If you have uh, money you want to get rid of, you've got to have it cleared so that you can spend it on other positions. Oh, good luck there. Uh, again, if you're the Raiders with this setup that they have, with all of the dead cap they already took on, with what they potentially would have to do to try to make this roster better, right now, the only way I can look at this and say that Ziggler and McDaniels make sense at all is that they have buy-in from Mark Davis to truly blow it up well. Tell me about Devontae Adams and whether you got his buy-in to blow this up after you brought him in as the savior. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. That's not good enough, you know what I mean? And and for us to be able to win at this time of the year and be productive uh, offensively, you have to throw the ball better than what we've thrown it at times here in the last month and a half. We've been able to win some in spite of that, you know, overall. But, you know, clearly that's not the goal. Uh, the goal would be to be more productive than what we've been. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Wait a second, Candy. We're getting reports in about what with Derek Carr? Huh? According to Jeff Howe from The Athletic, the Raiders bench Derek Carr, and with the Raiders' permission, Derek Carr has entirely left the team to avoid being a distraction. Okay, that last part. To avoid being a distraction. Are we serious? Now, I hope everything's okay with the guy, but this is going to avoid being a distraction? Seems to me, if you read between the lines there, that the locker room is going to be good and split over the idea of Derek Carr getting benched, and there are going to be some people very loyal to Derek Carr, that if he's there, this is going to be worse. And if he's not there, then everybody can... Air quotes, focus on Jared Stidham. Uh-huh. Boy, the world of 2022 football. I don't, I don't want to sit here and put the fist up in Northern California to the dank sky, but are we serious? We have quarterbacks just walking away from the team. Marcus Mariota did it a couple weeks ago, and now Derek Carr is going to be away from the Raiders after he's been benched. This is craziness. A uh, not so young, but not as old as me. Former quarterback, Caleb Herring is on the horn with us. He's our Wednesday football insider. He's up with Cofield and Candy. Caleb? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> this is – I mean, we were re- we were ready to talk about Carr and the effect on the team and the future of Carr and the whole blame game here, but can you make any sense of just leaving? No. I, I, I – if you're trying to establish yourself as a leader, which is what a quarterback is supposed to be, like that's 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 one of the intangible uh, characteristics that every quarterback should exemplify and should demonstrate in every scenario. Like it, it, this is an opportunity to show leadership. And initially, it was you know the cars being very supportive of Sidham and getting him the reps, and uh, that was kind of the initial vibe. But but now this, like now you're just getting permission to be away from the team. It's like. That, to me, doesn't say leadership. It doesn't say that you handle adversity well. And I mentioned this earlier this year when the tears flowed from yep. Derek Carr, yep. and it was like I, I, everybody said he's passionate about the game. I said, it's fine, but is that what a leader does? Does a leader make statements to the press about 
that some other guys aren't willing to do what other guys in the locker room. That was one of those moments for me. Where I was like, oh, the leadership's in question here. Yeah, he's passionate, but is he the leader in the locker room anymore? And <sighs> you could see that as an early sign that it was fading away. This, to me, absolutely says whether, you know, what Adam's saying, which I agree the locker room will be split over this, uh, but the leader is the one who's supposed to mend the splits, not create more cause for a division. And I think leaving, um, turning tail and being away from the team, even though it's just for a couple of games, I think that signals that you're no longer willing to lead this locker room. And uh, I think the writing's on the wall in that case with what it would mean you know, for the Raiders to cut him after the season and all that stuff. The writing's on the wall that at least in Las Vegas, his time as a leader may be coming to an end. And he may be in agreement with that. And that's what I see. I, I see a guy that's kind of given up on this locker room um, and whether it's because the coach, the new coaching staff and the offense doesn't mesh well with him and there's some continuity issues in that regard, which we see play out week to week this year, um, that may be part of the reason. But obviously the trust in him in the locker room isn't there, and he's not willing to step up to that and, and be the leader for the Raiders anymore. Well, first of all, I hope this that that's all there is to this and there's not something seriously wrong. I doubt there is. Candy, do you want to come to the rescue of Derek Carr? I don't. I don't understand this move. Caleb doesn't understand this move. Um, it's not reducing the distraction. This makes it. This throws gasoline all over the fire. I think it's a terrible look. Terrible. It's a bad look for today. We're all going to yell about it today, and then come this weekend, all we're going to care about is how Jarrett Stidham plays. Uh, yeah, it looks bad in the moment, but. Caleb, I'll, I'll bring it back to you. You talked about the idea that this isn't going to be his locker room anymore. I guess where, where's the chicken in the egg when it comes to this? Because to some degree, whether it was his locker room or not going into this decision, Josh McDaniels took the locker room away from him, right? Yeah. It, oh, 100%. So, yeah. And that, that's, that's where – and that's, this is where you talk about continuity issues and, and how you can easily – go and individually point out one piece of the puzzle and say you're the problem, that you're the reason the full picture is not coming together right. And there's, there's probably 99 other reasons why you could say Josh McCann is the problem. He should have been. I mean, look at the situation in Denver, right? The, the first head coach and the quarterback basically got the blame, but the coach is gone, and the player is there. It could easily be reversed. Hey, we needed to get rid of before the business of it. That it, it turned out the way it did. There's a lot to Josh McDaniel saying, or he has a hand in what happened with the Raiders. Um, and it could very well be Josh McDaniel's fault that Derek Carr didn't perform the way he should or two expectations as far as passing the ball. And that's, that's absolutely a part of the equation. And the locker room issue wasn't an issue for Derek Carr until this season. And you look at what they did in 2021 and, and just making the playoffs with all the chaos that was going on with that team, Derek Carr was the reason, arguably as a leader, um, he's just one of the leading reasons, if not the main reason, that the Raiders were a playoff team last year, and he was unquestionably a leader in that locker room. All of a sudden, Josh McDaniels gets added to the mix, and a new staff, and all this happens, and and now Carr's leadership becomes a question, and that just could be a signal that maybe Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr were pulling in opposite directions with what they thought should happen. And at just looking at X's and O's on the field, there's times you could see Derek Carr, who is a cerebral quarterback for most of his career who played the game um, with a high IQ, there was times on the field where he looked like he was a step behind or that he wasn't seeing what the offense was designed for him to see 
or that the check wars that happened at the line of scrimmage, he wasn't on the same page with maybe what the offensive scheme was. In. That was that was part of the reason their offense sputtered at times. So there's Josh McDaniels has uh, has blame as to why Derek Carr maybe doesn't want to lead or isn't seen or respected as a leader in the locker room this year, especially considering the recent history of Derek Carr in that franchise, what he's meant to the franchise. He's, he's leading just about every category as a passer. After the last year, what he did to get them to, to drag that team to the playoffs with you know kind of shorthanded and with the adversity they went through, kind of being the gel that holds things together. I mean, there was no question last year that he's a leader, but for some reason, this Raider team in 2022 – Derek Carr hasn't exemplified leadership, and Josh McDaniels definitely has a hand to play in that. Caleb, I'm so glad you brought that up because I actually brought this up to Steve before the show, and this is the one thing that gets me really angry about the way this has all gone down is when you look at last season, we gave all the credit to Derek Carr for being the continuity in that locker room in addition to Rich Passaccia. And Rich Passaccia, the interim coach last year, didn't ultimately get the locker room. Right, They decided to go with Josh McDaniels instead. So to me, this all points back at Mark Davis and what he thinks about what happened last year because he didn't value what Rich Passaccia did in holding them together. And now he brought in two guys in McDaniels and Ziegler who put no guaranteed money on Derek Carr's contract beyond the end of this year. And they were kind of telling you from that point that they didn't put any value on what Derek Carr did to hold the organization together last year. And what we know about Mark Davis is that he wasn't happy to have to get rid of John Gruden. He didn't want to have to move on from his coach of choice. So in the end, this is a whole change in organizational direction that points back to Mark Davis. In the long term, what Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels do are is because Mark Davis decided they should be here. And now Rich Passaccia and Derek Carr shouldn't so that to me is the part that really still bugs me Caleb and and I have to think any Raider who came through last year and all of the turmoil and is still in that locker room whether or not you liked Derek Carr as a human being you had to respect what he did to hold the thing together and I think that's the key I think you had a situation with 2021's roster and Carr and Mishashi those guys they there's evidence that in that organization they could get it done they could get you somewhere there was no evidence that Josh McDaniels could get it done as a Raider. There was no respect of accomplishment, I guess, other than the you know the prestige of being a foreign, of the Belichick tree and whatnot, and doing it the Patriot way, which was the story for Josh McDaniels getting hired and bringing that that method of winning out west. Whereas you know the 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 Carr method, if there was a method, or the Gruden method, even was very different, and the, the way that they structured things was more car-focused. Um, and you look at evidence of kind of the, the arrogance, I guess, of Josh McDaniels, and I, I don't mean that as derogatory. It's just something that all head coaches, I think, have, or when people have a system that they believe works, they, they bring the, a natural arrogance along with it um, that they want things to be run their way. And I think it's a flaw in the thinking of a lot of coaches to come in and, and have to tear things down and build it up in their image in order for it to work. And I think that's a, that's a flaw because sometimes you come to an organization and you have talent, you have good things. Josh Jacobs not getting an extension, uh, not getting his deal is another bit of evidence to this. And if Josh Jacobs is your best player now this year, you could say he's motivated to play, but I, I think Josh Jacobs did enough to earn or deserve some, some extensions and not just to bring a stable of running backs behind him, kind of saying he's expendable. Um, but again, it's the arrogance of that kind of method 
um, that I think you 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 funnel out a lot of players that have talent or do have stuff in the tank still in effort to get your system implemented with no evidence that that system is going to work for the Raiders. It may have worked with Belichick and the Patriots. It always worked for them. But does Josh McDaniel's version of it work? And I think that's, the, you said it, the course change kind of leaves a lot of guys in purgatory. And, and Derek Carr spent this season essentially in purgatory, where you could see he's not playing to his potential. Everybody knows he's a better quarterback than we showed this year. But for some reason, he's being restrained. And because that system, that arrogance, that he maybe didn't fit in as well as he did in previous years. And, and now because of that, his career in Las Vegas or as a Raider might be over. And that's unfortunate. And that's, you talk about it at every level of football, in every sport really, when there's that transition, that coaching change, if there's not full, full camaraderie or full uh, cohesiveness from top to bottom, and uh, the quarterback, especially in football, is, is a part of that line. It, it, you know, the ownership, GM, president, head coach, and the quarterback are not all in line. There's dysfunction, and there's, there's room for these kind of stories to sprout. And I think that's what happened with the Raiders' season this year. Caleb Herrick is with us, former UNLV quarterback, football insider Aaron Cofield and company on Wednesdays. All right, what do you think of what's going on in uh, Denver the last day and a half where Nathaniel Hackett was fired and it is just freaking open season on destroying Russell Wilson in the media? It is. I, I think there, there's, first of all, Russell Wilson's play kind of deserves some criticism. I won't say it deserves to be lambasted. He shouldn't be considered the word out. He still has an impressive resume as a player. He's still got talent. He's still got skills. But this year was a disaster. And, again, similarly to what the Raiders are going through, first-year head coach and system, um, Russell Wilson's first time out of Seattle um, where he's not you know, the featured piece, a lot of different roster management stuff that maybe just didn't fit Russell Wilson's style played out on the field. And, I think it's it's comical to me from the media aspect to to listen and go back to when Russell Wilson landed in the AFC uh, in the AFC West with the Broncos, and there's narratives out there that that trade alone made them a contender uh, for the Super Bowl. It was like they're, they're, the AFC West is the best division in football, and I, I fell victim to that narrative. But that, you know, top to bottom, just looking at it on paper, you could see why. Um, but it was it was almost that the Broncos made a move that was aggressive, but they made the move thinking Super Bowl now, and people believed it. Like, yep, this is absolutely it. They can contend with the Chiefs in that division. It's going to be great. Uh, and, you know, the wait-and-see model of, of, of football stuff just was out the window. It was these guys should be competing for the division instantly. And, but there's a lot more to work out uh, with a football team than just getting a quarterback. And no matter how many times this plays out before, we will never listen to history and say everything else has to line up as well. And I think the Broncos are an example of that. Another first-year head coach fired midseason, which I, I always disagree with at this point. Just wait to the end of the year. I think you create more of a distraction doing it like this. You're not going to make the playoffs, so you can fire your coach in the shadow of the night so nobody's you know coming after you and making a big spectacle of it. But – they made the decision. It's chaos now for the Broncos. It's it's looking like they're going to have to spend years now trying to rebuild. You know what they lost in the trade to Russell Wilson, and now kind of being prisoner to his contract. Um, you're going to have to make him work to some degree, and I think that's where the Broncos find themselves. Who do you find now that can get a system that's in line with Russ's skill set that matches your roster um, and can move forward with it? But right now, it's kind of in shambles, and Russell Wilson is the only piece of the puzzle that that you know you're going to have for the next couple of seasons. Kellen Herring is up on Cofield and company. I want to get back to the NFL here in a second, but a couple of 
UNLV football topics to hit on. Announcement made today, Caleb, that they have named a strength and conditioning coach in for Matt File is a fellow named uh, Jeff Fish. The coaching staff is almost finished. Still some work on linebackers. To my knowledge, no defensive coordinator. Did I miss it? Did I miss it? I don't think I did. No, no, you didn't. I I haven't seen it either. If if you missed it, we both missed it. But no defensive coordinator yet. And that's kind of the one that I'm waiting for to see kind of what direction they go with that. Um, With, obviously, Barry Odom having defensive coordinator in his background. Is he playing for, you know, the defensive coordinator spot as the head coach? Is that something that he wants to entertain? Based on discussions with him, I don't think that that's the route he wants to go. I think he understands the head coach's uh, plate is already pretty full. Uh, so the coordinator roles should have a designated player or, excuse me, a designated person in that role right. to actually be the coordinator to take something off of his hand. So, But that's going to be an interesting hire because I think it's going to be somebody you trust. It could be somebody that's still out there in bowl season weighing their options uh, um, as, a, as a coach if they want to dip in the head coaching. But I, I think that's the big piece of the puzzle that I want to see. I think with the, the offensive coordinator – Hire was was a hire that said, "Hey, you got the offense. Essentially, I trust you with your head coaching background with Trino. I trust you to go ahead and do that and be the offensive guy. But the defense now, I need to take my time with it. It makes sense that it's you know late later in the game as far as filling out the staff before getting with the defensive coordinator because you want to be sure with this one. You want to make sure you, you know the defense is your baby. It's been your calling card for your whole career. You want to make sure you got the right fit for that. So even if you're not the coordinator." you trust that the messaging and what you understand about defense is, is being implemented to the team. Um, so the defensive line got figured out with uh, you know, head, you know, off defensive line coach. And a lot of these coaches, um, when you look at their, their background, have been a part of rebuilds, and they've been a part of bringing a team up um, from you know, the abyss to getting them to bowl eligibility. And I think that is one of the things that I think is an intangible for coaches. I think you can look at your defensive numbers and all that, but there's something to being able to coach the situation. And the staff seems like it's being carefully crafted with people that have experience starting a, a program and, and building it up to be a bowl contender or to be a championship-level team. Um, and I think that's, that there's value in that. And just to look for that as, an, as something that's on your resume, I think there's value in that for UNLV and what they're trying to do. Um, so I think that's an intentional effort that they're making. And, and I, I look at that and I say, well, they're building something, and, and there's a message that I think there's a common thread a lot of these coaches have being a part of teams uh, that were turnarounds, so to speak, in the past. So we'll see if it pays benefits for UNLV and their staff. Okay, i got about 90 seconds left. I think this one's a really interesting follow. If you look at a lot of the offers that are being sent out, we talked about this last week and also on the UNLV All Access podcast, which uh, Caleb and I do talking football and, and runner rebel basketball as well. A lot of the offers out are for 24 and 25 and 26, and I've seen quarterbacks offered, and they all seem to have a similar skill set, and that is of the dual-threat nature. So while they're looking to the future, I think that's kind of a change from what Arroyo was bringing in. Um, Mm -hmm. Malik Hornsby, who is a former top 300 recruit who was at Arkansas, is in the transfer portal, and he mentioned the other day on an Instagram post that for his transfer destination, he's looking at Baylor, Nebraska, and UNLV. What do you think about adding to this quarterback room, and, and what does it say to guys like Friel and Harrison Bailey who may not fit that dual threat description? 
Well, I think if if they're paying attention, to me it says if I don't have that skill set, then I'm not a good fit for the system. And I, that's, that's as bluntly as I could put it. And that's the kind of individual ownership that players now have over their destiny. When you see stuff like that, you can make a decision to either enter the transfer portal or adjust your skill set and say, you know, I can do that and be ready to compete year in and year out. Um, but I think, you know, that that's kind of a trend that you see especially when you look at the SEC with the dual-threat quarterbacks being you know, something that helps control the game, uh, even from a defensive mindset. If you've got a, a quarterback that can run, it presents problems for defenses. Um, so it makes sense for Barry Owens to be looking at stuff like that um, and making that sort of a point of, int- of emphasis when recruiting quarterbacks. Um, but I, I think that, that would be, you know, it's been all about Doug Brumfield for us, you know, covering UNLV, especially this last year and his production. But with Doug's health, I don't think it's hurt to bolster up the quarterback room again um, to make sure that you got some depth behind that can do what Doug does, um, which is be a dual-threat quarterback and, and impact the game with his legs just as much as with his arms. So not a surprise um, to see them looking in the transfer portal or even ahead in the future to get more quarterbacks of a dual-threat nature to, to be able to sustain whatever their system's going to be when, it, when it's unveiled, um, but especially to match Doug's, Doug's I think, set and be able to not have a drop-off should Doug get injured in the future. Caleb, you're the man. I think you're out of town right now, so have a good time in whatever you're doing, and we'll speak to you soon, okay? All right, guys. Take care. Have a good rest of the week. There he is, Caleb Herring. We'll build on that on the way back. we got to get to uh, Luca's ridiculous game last night. Justin Watkins is up in about 15 minutes on a uh, bevy of legal topics. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3-6 to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. It stings. It's awful. But, man, it's the best thing that can happen to us, you know. Some of your best work is when you get your face kicked in. I mean, that literally, I don't know everybody gets their face kicked in, but... <laughs> But I do know, man, when your back's against the wall and you get trotted on and everything's at its worst, you either just stay down there or you get up and you come back motivated and upset and, man, you go and there's a purpose. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. When I first heard that Dan Campbell comment, Candy, I thought it was really stupid. Am I wrong? You probably shouldn't get your face kicked in the first place. That might be a (laughs) a pretty good way to avoid having to come back from getting your face kicked in. I meant what I thought was interesting is there's a decent time and place to get your face kicked in in the NFL and be backed into a corner. In the last three weeks of the season, ain't the time. Like you, You don't really have much margin for error. So to come out of that, like, hey, here's a silver lining. Now we really have to win. Okay. Well, but see, the that to me is the mindset of a team that has decided it's about the long term, right? Like the Lions being in the hunt right now is a bonus to them. So if you're Dan Campbell and you're thinking two, three years down the line, yeah, but that's not what your fans have been thinking. Your fans have been watching you play really well for the last few weeks. And I'll, let's just say maybe – there are people on the other side of the country who've been watching you play well for the last few weeks and might have thought it's a decent team to wager on when they played Carolina. Yeah. Those of us don't like it either. Sorry about that, brother. That didn't work out. Not at all. Not even a little. Good thing it was it was over quickly. It okay. was kind of like getting your face kicked in. It was done very fast, very painfully, 
and now I'm back here to recover. I learned my lessons. A lot more on Derek Carr being benched and now leaving the team, which I still find just insane. To not be a distraction, Derek Carr has left the Raiders.